Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast is a Christ-centered podcast. Established in 2019 and hosted weekly by Pastor Chris Busher. Addressing a host of topics such as the Great Commission, Christian discipleship, and often featuring interviews with special guests who are experts in their field. The views and events expressed on this podcast and all related materials belong solely to their author and not necessarily to the author's employer, organization, committee, or other group or individual. While all attempts are made to present accurate information, some information may become outdated over time. Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast makes every attempt to timely update any and all such information. Without further delay, here's another powerful episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. Once again, my name is Dallas here. Today, we have another incredible guest joining us, Dr. Ken Stewart. Thank you for joining us today, Dr. Ken. How are you? Thank you, Dallas. I'm very good, and I do appreciate this opportunity. Look forward to chatting with you and and with the folks that'll be listening as well. So thank it's you so pleasure. much. It's my pleasure. I'm going to give you just a quick introduction for our audience today. Ken, sure. so you have dedicated over 50 years of ministry experience, pastoral teaching. You're working with a ministry right now, biblical school, you said, Christian education, and you have 14 books to your name. We're going to give a link to all of those books at the end of the interview today. But you just have so much to offer our audience. And I'm here front and center. I get to ask you the questions that I want to know. And so I'm going to be receiving first from all of this. So Ken, once again, thanks for joining us. And just tell us a little bit about who you are and how you found the Lord and why you dedicated your life to ministry. Well, my uh, testimony, if you will, starts with uh, when I was four years old. And uh, I grew up in church. And really, that's that's been my life. I'm not one of those people that can say on this day at this time in this service, I gave my heart to the Lord. I just know that sometime by the time I was four years old, I already had a relationship with God and I loved my pastor. We didn't have a children's church. I sat on the front row, listened to him preach. And by the time I was four, I was telling everybody when I get big, I'm going to be a, a preacher just like Brother Hampton. Well, they thought it was cute, you know, but uh, then as I got a little older, we moved to another place. And when we went out to play, I am terrible when it comes to sports. I I am no good at all, any sport. But when we played, we had church and uh, we would round up all the kids in the neighborhood. And my sister was our worship leader. Uh, She's a little older than I am. And then I would try to preach my pastor's sermon. I'm sure it didn't make a bit of sense, but <laughs> that's how it started. And, uh, you know, when I got in high school and uh, all my friends were, I'm going to be this, I'm going to be that. Mm-hmm. I thought, well, you know, I'd kind of like to be an airline pilot. Well, I had no money and I had no opportunity to go to school to learn to fly. So that just kind of faded away. Then, okay, I really, really like drawing house plans. Sounds crazy, but I did. And uh, that's kind of how I spent my spare time. And so I found out that there was a school in Little Rock, Arkansas, that I could get enrolled in and started studying to be an architect. And by the time I was 18 years old, I had grown, I had drawn a complete set of house plans and a builder there in my hometown built a house. And I thought, you know, I don't really want to do that. And a couple of buddies and I, we would get together and pray. 
And this desire to preach, to be a preacher, wouldn't go away. It just kept getting stronger. So when I was 19, I moved to Texas, to Waxahachie, Texas, and enrolled in Bible college. And uh, boy, from there, the story gets really yeah. wild, if you will, because mm -hmm. two weeks after I enrolled, I had a horrible accident in uh, a bakery in Dallas. And um, I was working third shift from 11 to 7. We had worked all week. It was my first week on the job. We got off at seven o'clock on Saturday morning and they called us about 10 o'clock and said, we need you to come back to work. I was living in the boys dorm, no sleep, nothing. Mm -hmm. And so we said, when do we have to be there? We were thinking three. They said, no, come as soon as you can. So we rushed back to Dallas and started working. I don't know, sometime early afternoon and at midnight that night, that Saturday night, uh, my life changed dramatically because the floor was wet. It was slick. Uh, there was cleaning fluid on the floor. There was water. I was cleaning a machine I should not have been messing with, but they asked me to do it. And I slipped and I fell into that machine and it almost ripped my shoulder off my, my arm off at the shoulder. So back then they couldn't do anything for with 19 year old. They rushed me to the hospital and I laid there for four hours while they waited on a telegram from my parents to amputate my left arm at the shoulder. What? Yes. And that's quite a shock. I did not know anybody. There's a lot of information in this book we're going to be talking about, about trust. And I've already stepped over into talking about that. So I don't know how far you want me to go with this at the moment, but uh, it's I mean, quite a story. Let's just examine that 19 years old, your whole life ahead of you, all your yes. dreams in front of you in yes. something like this happens tragically, yes. right? Yes. It's quite a shock. Yeah. And so let, the, let's talk about that, the book a little bit. So the title of okay. the book today is The New Covenant Psalm. And so yes. just, just go a little bit deeper now. Like you said, I just okay. want to give our audience the title there of the book. So go ahead, Ken. All right. You're listening to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. We'll be right back after this quick word from our sponsors. Are you a fan of soulful pop rock music? Look no further than Elson Sutanto, a talented singer, songwriter, and pianist from London, UK. With over 15 years of experience in crafting iconic songs, Elson's live performances are influenced by legendary 1960s soul artists like Sam Cooke and Bill Withers. Elson is set to release new music in 2023, including his latest single, Thankful to You, Lord. Don't miss out on Elson's amazing talent. Find his music by searching at Elson Official on YouTube. Are you looking for a podcast that explores life with Jesus in a secular country, in marriage, and in love? Then tune in to the Hope, Love, Faith podcast, hosted by Tony and Smirty Panda, with insightful discussions on Jesus Christ, marriage, and everything in between. This podcast is sure to encourage and inspire. Don't miss out. Listen to the Hope, Love, Faith podcast on all mainstreaming platforms today. Well, I mentioned trust a lot in that book. Trust as being the answer to so many of the things that come up in the 91st Psalm. And uh, frankly, I, I picked that Psalm and picked that topic dealing with the 91st Psalm 
because it's this tension between fear and trust throughout that whole song. He will name, the psalmist will name one thing, and then I come back with the New Testament scripture, and we wind up talking about trust. Well, here I am as a 19-year-old laying in an emergency room. The last thing I know, they're telling me they're going to amputate my arm at the shoulder. And I can see how mangled and broken and torn up it is. But I didn't know anybody. The people I was with that took me to the hospital, they knew my first name. That was it. So I had to give them my parents' name, phone number, everything. They called. And a little over four hours later, they got the telegram from Arkansas from my parents, giving them permission to operate on me and remove my arm at the shoulder if necessary. So I went to the surgery not thinking, you know, am I going to have an arm? Uh, it's pretty traumatic, to say the least. Well, it was probably, uh, I think, really about sometime Monday before I really knew anything. And by then, my mother had traveled to Dallas. She was there. I remember the doctor coming in the room, and his words were something like this. Well, we saved your arm, but really, you'll never move it. You'll never use it. It's useless, but it's there. At least you've got an arm. Uh, not the kindest guy in the world. And uh, he said, uh, I'll be back to see you tomorrow. And he took off. Well, I had, uh, I love music. And I, one of the things I wanted to do was be a songwriter. That's something I've never done to this day. <laughs> but I had tried to write a song based on Isaiah chapter 53, verse 5. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. So I turned to my mom and I said, is there a Bible here? And she said, probably there's a Gideon Bible here. She looked in the nice hand, sure not. Always. And I said, <laughs> there's yeah, always I a said, Gideon Bible. The yeah, Bible. thank God there is. Yeah. So I said, uh, look up this scripture. She did. And I said, read it to me. She did. I said, read it again. She did. I said, one more time, read that again. So she did. I said, does that say we are healed? She said, well, yeah, uh, it does. I said, okay, we're going to pray. She said, what are we going to pray? I said, well, I'm going to pray what that scripture says. She said, okay, then you better pray. <laughs> so I did. It's amazing. Well, the next day, and no one had taught me to do this. And it even just, just the willingness, you know, at 19 years old, you've been encountering the Lord since four. So, I mean, you got a head yeah. start as most people at 19. So, yes. So go. the next day the doctor comes in and he, he looks at my arm and he says, well, I don't know what's going on, but uh, we're not going to have to remove your arm. Uh, we will have to take it off at the, at the elbow. And he left. I went through this same process again, you know, with ISA 53, verse 5. This happened day after day. I was in the hospital 12 days. And whenever I checked out of the hospital, uh, he had said, remove it at the elbow, take your hand off at the wrist, remove the palm of your hand. It's a gory story. I won't get into all that. But 
what was happening to me was I was learning by experience to trust that what God said is true and to rely on that in the most difficult moment of my life. And so that did something to me that will soon be goodness, 59 years ago. And, and it's never left. And that really, really set me on a journey of trusting God. And I still do to this day. And that's so Uh, encouraging because some of us experience things like this, but not as much as losing a body part, you know, where we have to trust the Lord for a body part. We're trusting him for a job or for a situation or for finance, but a body part, I mean, that's valuable. Just, just for the record, the arm works. Okay. (laughs) It's still there. It works. Man. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So th- what led you from that moment in living that since 19 years old to now 14 books later and this book? Well, sure. What happened is I finished my, my Bible college degree, my bachelor's degree. By that time, I knew absolutely I was going to be a teacher, but I didn't feel prepared. So I applied. I was accepted at uh, Bright Divinity School at Texas Christian University. It's a seminary there and uh, spent six years there getting my master's degree and my doctorate, uh, doctor of ministry. And from there, while I was doing that, I was working in this church in Fort Worth as the associate pastor. And I was a youth pastor. And my youth group was made up of former drug addicts and uh, young teenage girls that had been prostitutes and everything in the world that you can imagine that I'd never done and how they related to me and how I related to them is a miracle of God <laughs> because That's I knew <laughs> <That's good stuff. laughs> I, I knew nothing about their life. They were teaching me what they had come out of yeah. and the difficulties that they had had. And, and then I was teaching them the word of God. And we just had a great time together. And and every now and then I'm still in contact with some of those people. Even today, some of them are pastors today. Wow. And uh, it, it was a wonderful time. But eventually that led to us moving on, coming to Tulsa and helping to start a school here and, uh, and then pastoring as well. And um, our heart has always been to share what we know any way that we can. And that led to the writing of those books. And I've, most of those are out of print, the, the, the 14 prior to, this is the 15th book. And only recently have I been in a position where I can continue to write. And so we're, we're hard at work at that. And we're coming out with quite a few new books. This is just the first one of that whole line. And so I'm very excited about it and happy to have the New Covenant Psalm out. And, uh, and when was I this really, book released, Ken? This was released uh, the 1st of June. The first, so, so fresh, yeah, so it's a fresh book. It's fresh, yes, it is. Wow. And, and let's, let's go into the Psalm 91 just a little bit. Sure. And so here in the, the chapter, there are 16 verses. And so do you spend yes. most of the time of the book within these 16 verses or do you go outside of this? And what, what does it look like? Sure. What I do in the Psalm is I take it phrase by phrase, in some cases, word by word. 
And I'm not a Greek scholar. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, but I've got the tools to find out what I need to know. And what I'm trying to do in that psalm is, first of all, make it easy to understand. It has language in it that we don't use today. Here's an example. Noisome pestilence. What on earth is that? What is a noisome pestilence? Well, if God is going to protect you from the noisome pestilence, it kind of would help to know what that is. Mm -hmm. So what I've done is I've done two things primarily. I've taken each little phrase, which that psalm is full of promises. I have sought to find a New Testament promise that fits what is said in the Old Testament. That's why it's called the New Covenant Psalm. And you can find something in the New Testament covers everything in that Old Testament Psalm. So that's the one thing. The other thing I've done is broken down this language, like noise and pestilence. Mm -hmm. You would think that's uh, that's a pest that's noisy. That would be <laughs> a fair assessment. Yeah, mine says deadly pestilence. So, I mean, not good either, yeah. whatever it is. Exactly. But actually, it's talking about something that, first of all, doesn't smell good, mm -hmm. something that smells terrible. Yeah. Ultimately, it leads you to this. It's talking about any kind of plague. Well, where does my mind go? COVID-19. Yeah. What we've just come through. And it was, in fact, the experience as a pastor dealing with people who were dealing with COVID-19, mm -hmm. my youngest son included, that uh, he's in heaven now, but mm -hmm. because of COVID-19. And seeing the fear, the fear was everywhere. And most of what was being said in the media generated more fear. The things that we were told to do generated more fear. We were told they weren't working. That generated more fear. It was, it was a horrible experience. And not only was I going through that and then going through that with my son, but to know that so many other people as well, and to know that there was this fear that had gripped the world, mm -hmm. frankly. And I just thought, I've got to do something about this. I've got to do something about this. So that launched me into this intense study of Psalm 91. And this book is the result of that. It's the product. Yeah, so this was birthed through the COVID pandemic, you would say. Yes, it was. Yeah. Absolutely it was. And you you talk I about actually had Go I ahead. actually had people coming to me saying, Pastor, what why don't you write a book? Why don't you do something? Why don't you put something out to help us? So we did. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah. Here we preparing go. us for the next pandemic, I'm sure that that and there will be come. another one. You know, I remember when I was a kid, there was this thing with with polio, mm -hmm. and and boy, they would show these horrible pictures of these big old machines that they had to put people in, and it was horrible. And as a kid, scared the daylights out of me. And when they finally came up with, you know, uh, something that would cure it. You know, in a in a sugar cube of all things, you know. I mean, we, we wanted to eat all the sugar cubes we could. 
<laughs> we just did holy hell, you know. But so yeah, there there'll be something else. Yeah. And this book you, you talk there. about this theme of fear and finding safety. And so I really want to focus on the finding safety in making the Lord our dwelling place. Talk about that sure. a little bit more. Well, I think that a lot of people have a rather mythical, mystical idea about that. But your dwelling place really is in your relationship with God and in your relationship with the word of God. And we have to come to a place where we actually know him, know him in a very personal way. And that's been my life. And I want that for other people as well. And it's why you're doing what you're doing, I would imagine, uh, because I understand that you're a missionary. And that tells me that you have a heart for people that you want them to know God as you've come to know him in your life. So it's not, it's not a physical building. It's not a specific location. It's all about our relationship with God. Mm-hmm. And that relationship with God must be based on something. And it's either going to be based on somebody's opinion or something more authoritative. And I take that to be the word of God. Mm-hmm. So that becomes, what do you mean by dwelling place? Well, when I have a need, when I have a problem, when I have an issue, when I need an answer, the first place I go is to the word of God. Mm-hmm. What does the word of God say about it? Does it address it? You know, it won't tell me whether or not I should drive a Ford or a Chevy or a Toyota. Yeah. <laughs> You know, or, or, a, or, camel, a, or a horse. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, it won't tell me any of those things. So yeah. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff we have to figure out ourselves, of course. I want to touch on that if I can. Um, I was having sure. a conversation this week about someone talking about the maturity and balance between bringing everything to God and him trusting us to make decisions on our own. What can you, you go into that about? Well, I think, first of all, that there are things that he expects us to decide. He expects us to figure it out. There's a lot of things that are just, well, we used to call it common sense, Mm -hmm. Uh, but that's kind of gone by the wayside. I tried that (laughs) too. It didn't work for me. (laughs) Common sense didn't work. Yeah. Yeah. And so honestly, uh, I think a lot of it comes down to, first of all, your understanding of the word of God, that's got to be your base. That's got to be the foundation. But then also we all need to develop this ability to hear God speaking to us. And I think there are many, many problems, many things that happen in people's lives where they're making choices, they're making decisions. And you'll know that God was trying to speak to them sometimes after the fact, because they'll do something, it doesn't work out right, turns into a real problem. And invariably, how many times have you had somebody say to you, I knew I shouldn't have done that. I knew it. I knew it. How stupid can I be? What was going on? God was speaking to them on the inside. They just didn't know it. They didn't understand that. They'd never been taught that. And that had never developed in them. Everybody makes mistakes. 
everybody goofs up. Everybody's going to make bad decisions at some point of some kind, one way or another. I made one that day when I was 19 years old, because in spite of the fact that the noise level in the dorm was crazy mm-hmm. and I couldn't sleep, uh, I should have done something to get some sleep so that I was at least awake that night. I should have had enough sense to tell that boss, you know, I don't want to clean that machine. That thing looks very dangerous. Those were mistakes. They were my mistakes. Mm-hmm. And I suffered because of it. That wasn't God's fault. He didn't do that. You know, I can't blame the devil for that. Mm-hmm. I did that. I made some bad decisions and I paid for it. Yeah. But just because you make bad decisions, that doesn't mean God has abandoned you. Come on. I want to say that okay. too because one of the biggest healing moments of my life is after my addiction, when I was in adult and teen challenge, I was telling you that before the show. Yeah. I, I sat with somebody and I looked back on all the things that happened in my life. And I realized God was there. Yes. All this and this and this, and this happened in my life. I did that and that wrong. He was there. That changed he my life there. forever. Yes. Yes. He was there. He never abandoned yes. me. No yes. matter how bad the things I was doing were, he never left. He never left. And that's when I gave my heart to him. When I realized, wow. And see, that's what he he said. I'll never leave you. I'll Mm -hmm. never forsake you. Mm -hmm. Well, that doesn't mean I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. If this, if Mm -hmm. no, no, there is no We live in that conditional place, right? Yeah. Yeah, we do. And so he's always there. And he's always wanting to talk to us. He's always wanting to speak to us. He's always wanting us to listen. And if we will, then we get the benefit from that. Uh, could, I, could I just bring up our Bible school for a minute? Let's go. Okay. We have a Bible school. It's called the School of the Holy Spirit. And we have just launched the first year of the online version of this. Uh People can go to our website, drkinsert.com, and they'll see in the menu, the School of the Holy Spirit. If they click on that, then there's different ways to enroll. There's no prerequisite whatsoever. There's no educational requirement. Uh, There's not even any test. Just love reading, but that's it. Okay, watch the videos and read. Now, this is going to be a full-blown Bible school at least three years long. Right now, the first year is up there. We have an in-person school in Tulsa, and that's where we're recording all of this and then editing it, putting it online. Mm -hmm. My course is the first one listed. The first class, this is the reason I want to bring it up right now, is this. God is always talking. He is always talking. Are we listening? That flows right into what we're talking about here. God, see, a lot of people think, well, God doesn't talk to me. It's not the issue. It's not the problem. The problem is we're not listening. That's how we kick. That's how we correct it. That's how we get it right. And you live with that all of your life. And so I I just want to throw that in there about the school and people want to check it out and see what's there. And we've made it as inexpensive as we can. Um, It's about, it's not a training center for the ministry. It's none of that. It's just to help enrich people's lives about the Holy Spirit and our walk with the Lord. That's what the school is all about. So I want people to understand 
there's nothing magical about my life. I've known the Lord over 70 years. It's choices. It's decisions. It's listening. It's doing what he prompts me to do. And you have to learn all about that and how to respond to that. Yeah. So I, I, which is the name of the school, right? Yes. Holy Spirit. Yes, Yes, it is. It is. And, you know, to me, uh, you, you asked me in the beginning about, you know, my relationship with God, how it began and (laughs) what was it that, uh, caused me to still know the Lord, those sorts of things. I don't know any other way to live. I really don't know any other way to live. And God has been so good to me, man. I've got so many friends that if they quit the ministry, they're younger than I am. I'm more excited about the ministry today than I've ever been in my whole life. That's encouraging. Uh, Yeah. And uh, I don't mind people to know him. I'm I'm 78 years old. And uh, and I'm writing What's your secret, Ken? I'm going to answer for you. I think it's intimacy with the Lord. Am I right? Yes, very much so. Because if you don't have the intimacy, you're on you're running dry, and it, you're going to burn yes. out quickly in ministry yes. if you don't have the intimacy. Absolutely, I'm on the and right so, track. That's good to hear. It's good to hear. <laughs> so, really, truly, we don't do anything on our own. We don't do anything. You're not successful by yourself. You can't be. You've got to have help from somewhere. We look to other people for help. Why not look to God? Mm-hmm. I mean, he's he's the one that our help really comes from, yeah. you know. And I want so, to jump back to the school really quickly. Is the school accredited sure. yet? Will it be accredited? Tell me a little bit. It about will that. be accredited. It is mm-hmm. not yet. But we have started taking the right steps to do that, and it will be accredited. Mm-hmm. Um, we're There's some strange rules about schools of higher learning. Um, we would have to jump through a lot of hoops in order to offer a degree. Mm-hmm. And then that changes from country to country. And so what we've endeavored to do, we are endeavoring to do, frankly, let me just put it this way. Our ultimate goal, my ultimate vision, ultimate goal is to put in the hands of ministers all over the world tools that they can use for ministry. And my ultimate, ultimate goal is to get those to people who cannot buy them and to be able to do that free. That's my dream. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and I'm hard at work on that, believe me. And we have people that have enrolled in this school. They're in Okinawa. Mm-hmm. Wow. Uh, yeah. We've got a fellow that's in Australia that's getting ready to enroll. And so uh, you would say that people who are already taking the courses now, who are taking the classes now, when it becomes accredited, that will all work itself out. And yes, it will. Time. Okay. Yes, it will. Yes, absolutely. It will. So we're uh, obviously very busy but very excited about what God is doing. (laughs) So I I do sleep. Uh, I really do. (laughs) You know, my wife says, so when are you going to start doing something between three and four o'clock in the morning? You know, (laughs) well, no, I've got enough. 
I'm doing it up. So uh, yeah, but we're excited. I want to ask a question that's directed to our audience. So sure, in your ministry experience, what are some common struggles that we see or we face when trying to live free from fear and live full of confidence? Well, I think first of all, we have to understand the source of the fear. Where does it come from? What is it that's creating that fear? And honestly, I think one of the greatest fears is the fear of the, of the unknown. I can say that that's probably true for myself too. I really, I really think it is. So what do I do when I'm facing something and I sense this fear and I realize if I just knew this, if I just knew that, I wouldn't have this fear. Well, back up a couple of steps. And why are you in that position in the first place? Let me just get a little bit more pointed, a little bit more detailed about it. There are a lot of people in ministry, and because of where they are and what they're doing, let's say, they they put so much of their future in the hands of other people. And, and pastors do this every day. So you can get yourself in a position where you're trying to please that congregation, or you're trying to please the people that you're trying to minister to. And if you're not careful, you're setting yourself up to actually, you're not doing something with faith in God. Mm-hmm. You're doing something with fear of the people. And if I, if I make a misstep here, if I do something here, get these people upset with me, then I won't be able to do what I feel like I'm supposed to do. So you can create those traps for yourself. Okay. So the solution to that is always come back to your motive. Why am I doing what am I doing? What I'm doing? How did I get here? And is this really something I'm doing because the Lord led me to do that? If it is, he'll provide. Mm-hmm. The Lord told me, this has been now 12 years ago, whenever I was launching out into what I'm doing now. And I said, but Lord, how am I going to do this? I'm talking about a huge project that I'm taking on. And his words to me were these, you have all of the favor you will ever need to do everything I'm going to give you to do for the rest of your life. Well, Dallas, so do you. So do you. So do these folks that'll be watching this and that'll be listening to us and, and hearing these words is they have more favor. You have more favor. I have more favor than we think. Mm-hmm. And it's when we lose that sense of God's favor that fear fills that void. And we have to remind ourselves, no, I'm doing my best to be obedient to the Lord. For those that are Which not ministers. such an important part of it, too. Being yeah. obedient. Yeah. Being obedient. Yeah. And, and see, the folks that are not in the ministry, they're not mm-hmm. doing what you're doing or what I'm doing or other ministers are doing. They're not pastors. Well, what about them? The same thing. Mm-hmm. Why, why does my oldest son have the position that he has with the company that he works for? that he's been there for over 25 years. Why have they promoted him and promoted him? Why has he gotten increase after increase? That's God's favor. Yeah. 
So it doesn't matter what you're doing in life, what your occupation is. You know, you, you may be working in, in a store. You, you might be have your own business. Mm-hmm. Well, it all comes right back to this. It's fear or favor, fear or favor. You know, you start to get consumed by that fear. Wait a minute now. Am I trying to create this favor myself? Am I trying to make this happen on my own? Or am I really walking in the favor that God has given to me? Yeah. There, there's your answer right there in a heartbeat. You know. Balancing fear and favor. So what do you do? Can you give us some practical ways when you do experience fear? What can we do in our life? Okay. First of all, I think that a lot of times uh, ambition takes over. Mm-hmm. And we start looking at other people's lives and looking at what is going on with them and wishing that for ourselves, desiring that for ourselves. This is where I go to the scripture that says, delight yourself in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. So I have to learn to identify the desires that God has given to me and separate those from the desires I've created because you have this tension between godly desires and envy of what you see going on in another person's life. So that's the very first practical thing I have to do is what is it that's driving me to do this? What is it that's causing me to want to do this, to be in this place. And if if I can separate out, okay, I'm not doing this because somebody else is. I'm not wanting this because I see it as, that's that's a tough thing to do, honestly. You got to be real honest with yourself. And and if you can't get that honest with yourself, it's going to be a problem. But that's what you have to do. And I know that there are people that they're doing all sorts of things to help ministers all over the world. Well, God bless them. That, that's wonderful. There ought to be more. Mm-hmm. Okay. But just for example, right now, we're working on a project. I won't name the country because I don't know where all this is going to go. But we're working on a project to help some people we've never met. We don't know anything about them. But we have some connections there, and we're going to do some things there to help those churches there and those pastors. And we're doing it just because the desire to do that came up on the inside of us, not doing it because anybody else is doing it. So you get real clear about this desire. How do I get those desires? Delight yourself in the Lord. It's that intimate relationship. It's knowing the Lord on a very personal level. And that's a lifestyle. It's the way we live. And the more we live that way, the more we can really start to count on the fact God is really talking to me. I'm really getting those desires from him. And amazingly, as he gives you that desire, the reason he gives you that desire is to give you that desire. If you follow what I mean, he gives you that desire in order to fulfill that desire. That's what he was. That's why he gave you that desire in the first place. Works in any any area of life. 
It just doesn't matter where. Uh, I have favor everywhere I go. Everything I do. Uh, I expect it. That may sound a little brash to somebody. I don't know. <laughs> I like it. I but, expect it. I expect the favor. I'm, I'm a son of God. What the heck? Exactly. And so I walk in a restaurant. I look around. I don't know anybody in there. I sit down. I order my food. My wife orders her food. And it's happened so many times. Before we get up to leave, we're, we're look, where's the check? Well, so-and-so paid for it. Or we, we're not supposed to tell you who, but somebody paid for it. Your bill's paid. You know? Well, good grief. Don't get up and walk out. Leave a big tip. You know? Yeah. <laughs> you, you didn't have to pay anything, so leave a big yeah. tip. It's yeah. always on the end of that, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? So it's, it's, a, it's a lifestyle. Uh, I, w- I want to bring up something else if I could. Yeah. A lot of people listen to people like me talking and they think, well, would God ever do that for me? Would he do these things in my life? And this may seem like a strange direction to go, but I'm going to try it anyway. When God was trying to get Israel to trust him mm-hmm. in the book of Malachi, last chapter of the Old Testament. In the third chapter, the whole issue of uh, the tithe comes up, a tenth of the income. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, I'm not bringing this up to talk about money. I'm going to go a different direction with it. Because you look at what God said to the prophet, and these were his words Try me. God said, Try me and see if I will not do, and he spells it out. Mm-hmm. So there's often the issue. People wonder, well, would God do these things in my life? Would God bless me like he has somebody else? It's not even about him blessing you like somebody else. It's blessing you like he said that he like would. Like you, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's that personal relationship again. Mm-hmm. And God's response to that, if God's response to that was over money, I mean, come on. If it was over money, if it was over 10% of a person's income, then God certainly would not object if there's something you're wondering about. You know, would God do this in my life? Would he keep this promise? Okay, Psalm 91, full of promises. Mm-hmm. It's full of promises. and. You know, we don't even know for sure who wrote it. Uh, a lot of people say David wrote it. Other people say Moses wrote it. Uh, I love the way it ends with long life will I satisfy you and show you my salvation. Wow. That's what a, that's a promise. A promise of love. Would God do that for me? Mm. Well, how about this? What about God saying, try me? What, how long do you expect to live? Yeah. I have a another question with that. So something that I'm walking through right now, I'll just give you a few details that my wife and I, so my wife is Brazilian. Ken, I didn't tell you that. And my oh, okay. boy, cool. he is one year old and it's okay. been a blessing. My wife is also a missionary. She went through seminary and, and all of those things. We're waiting yeah. for my wife's immigrant visa to come to America, but it's a okay. very lengthy process. It takes a long okay. time, like 12 to 18 months. And so we're kind of at this timeline and we're just waiting on God, trusting on God. And so we have been praying this prayer 
for a long time. We trust you, Lord. We believe in your timing. When it's time to go, it's time to go. You'll open the door when it's time. That's one side. And then we realized, because the Bible also says, we were taking the verse that says, don't say you're going to go and do this tomorrow unless you say it's in the name of the Lord, right? Like this. So we were taking that verse. And then we were kind of taking it in a different direction the last couple months. Like there's a difference between that and the promise of God. Yes. So we are now declaring our promise to the Lord. Lord, you promised us we're going. Yes. And now open the doors. Open the doors. So can you just give me a little bit on that? What's the difference between the first scenario, saying, you know, trusting in the Lord's timing, and the second of declaring the promise that God has given? What can you say for this is a person. I need this. I need this, Ken. (laughs) Okay. I'm gonna go this way first. Okay. If you're if you're talking about going by a promise that God has made, mm-hmm. go by New Testament promises. Okay. Yeah. Here's, here's a, here's a difference that is not often stated. The old covenant is a covenant with a nation. Okay. You can see the evidence of that over and over and over because you let one person mm-hmm. in that nation mess up. And it messes up things for everybody. Everybody suffers because of that one person's mistake. Mm -hmm. Because it's a covenant with the nation. The new covenant is a covenant between you and God individually. Mm. Big, big difference. So the more things you can find in the new covenant that relates specifically to what you just said and what you're dealing with, the more ground you have to stand on. Okay. Now I referred you to an old Testament scripture a while ago, delight yourself in the Lord and Mm -hmm. he'll give you the desires of your heart. Well, how about Mark chapter 11? What things soever you desire Mm -hmm. when you pray, believe that you receive them and you shall have them. Mm -hmm. Okay, so the old covenant told me how I get desires, but now the new covenant tells me what to do with that desire. So you have a desire, you and your wife, to get all this immigration stuff out of the way mm-hmm. and to be able to come to the U.S. Great. Then what things, wherever you desire, believe that you receive yeah. them. So you've made a switch. Uh, you've, you've, you've shifted. That's a good thing. Mm-hmm. So just stay right with what you're doing. Now, your words become very important. What things serve you desire when you pray, believe that you receive them, and you shall have them. Mm-hmm. Well, a lot of times there's, and this was my life for a while because of the way I grew up. There was a big difference in what I believed and what I said. I was believing the right things, but you couldn't tell it by the way I talked. Wow. Does that make That's sense so to you? Important. It's so very important. important. It's very important. It's there's nothing magical or mystical about it. Or anything, nothing at all. It's just that if I really believe something, then when I talk, I ought to sound like I believe it. Mm-hmm. It's a simple, could, simple word change. Like I was saying, for example, yeah. just to give our audience a very, very clear perspective of this. If we go to America, this will happen. When yeah. I go to America, big a difference. Word change. Yes. It builds faith to say yes, in that way, you know, yes, instead of doubting myself or doubting the promise. Yes. So now what, what have you done? 
you've taken a very important step in this regard. You've actually shifted your wording to make it line up with what you were believing God to do in the first place. And that's important. It's vitally important. And I, I think, you know, for years, I didn't realize that. I didn't know that. And actually, what happened to me is one day I was I was talking to the Lord about, I don't remember what it was at the moment. And he reminded me of what I did when I had that accident when I was 19 years old. He said, what did you do? Well, okay, I I, I didn't know 1 Peter 2.24, by his stripes you were healed. Mm -hmm. I wish I'd have known that. That would have helped a lot. Yeah. But but I had Isaiah 53.5. But I was saying what I was believing. Mm -hmm. and, and God opened my eyes to that one day. And I realized, wow, the doctor would come in and say, we're going to remove your hand at the wrist because it's so broken and, you know, we'll never be able to repair it. And on and on he would go. And he would leave and I would read Isaiah 53, 5. And I would say, now that says we are healed. So if we are healed, then I am healed. And so he's not going to remove my hand. Yeah. And I did that over and over. Who taught me that? The Holy Spirit taught me that. I, nobody had ever talked to me like that. Hmm. He'll do that, see? And, and he'll do that in any area of life. That's what he's been doing with you, Dallas, and your wife. It's because you realized, hey, we, we keep talking about when, when, when. You know, if, 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 mm -hmm. wh which is it? What are we going to do here? Okay, we're going to leave off the if we go, because we're going. Yep, we wrote it on the fridge. It's it's there. Yeah. We are going to America yeah. in Jesus' name. It's there. Yeah. It's on the fridge. Yeah, so so you, 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 you took a huge step. Yeah. Because you shifted not just the words that come out of your mouth, mm -hmm. but really you begin to speak out of your heart what's there, mm -hmm. what God has put there. Yeah. I so don't want to make this about me, Ken, but you're just, you have so no. much to offer. I just got to ask one more question on that topic. Sure. That's fine. So I love it. Going from everything you just said now to making compromises while I'm here, because let's say right now it's June, there's an opportunity in August to take part in some event. Should I subscribe? Is that not being faithful? Is this not trusting God? Is, you know, like I have some answers of my own, but I just want to, See what you think about that. Okay, I need to ask that you a Not question. believing in the promise, right? Like, go ahead. Not necessarily. Uh, the one place where everybody gets hung up with all of this is time. And it's because the unknown. <laughs> you said it yeah, earlier. Yeah. You said it. And, and, and we're living in two worlds. Mm -hmm. You know, we're, we're very much a part of a kingdom, a world where time does not exist. Mm -hmm. And those promises are made in that world, if you will. We're trying to apply it in a world where everything is controlled by time. You know, that's a, that's a challenge. So let me ask you a question. If you participate in this thing that's coming up in August, if you enroll, whatever it is, uh, you know, maybe pay a fee, whatever. If you do that, what happens if you're in there a week or two and suddenly the door flies open to come to America? What happens? What, what, what's the reason? I already said I'm going. I'm going. Okay. It's not going to hold so, me back, but I'll take part if I'm here. That's kind of my, that was yeah, kind of my deal. Yeah. And so you've set the priorities. 
the priority is to come to the U.S. Okay, you don't change that. Mm-hmm. And, and But yet, a lot of people will get in a position like this, and they just wind up doing nothing while they wait, and they wait, and they wait. Well, I'm not a do-nothing kind of guy. Yeah. I'm going to do something for God, no matter where I am, no matter what's going on. So if that's an opportunity to be a blessing to some people, something that would benefit somehow, whatever, then I don't think that is counter to your ultimate uh, Mm -hmm. priority, which is to be here. I don't think one contradicts the other. Mm -hmm. And the word that he was speaking to me was be here while you're here. Be here while you're here. Because it's so easy for my mind to be gone. Like, okay, I'm going to be leaving. I don't have time for this, but I need to be here when I'm here. So Everything yeah. you're saying, Ken, thank you so much. Thank you sure. personally. This is something that I needed to to talk about. So I appreciate it. I want to point our audience one more time to your book, The New Covenant Psalm. Stop. And this is available on your website. This is available on Amazon. You can find the Bible school on your all of the links below. And yes. so if you could just leave us with one overall point of the New Covenant Psalm, what would you say that would be today? I would say, first of all, that uh, I, I want to kind of do a a two-prong thing here if I can. First of all, I think that we have to get honest about where we are in relationship to fear Mm -hmm. and and admit our fears. Uh, Otherwise, I think you could read that psalm and be a bit put off by it uh, simply because it, it gets so personal. It really does. When you, when you think about, all of these things, I can't read that psalm without thinking about somebody that I know. And it's it's several somebodies. And, and so if I'm going to benefit from this, I've got to be honest with myself, okay, about fear. Mm-hmm. And then I've got to be, on the other side, honest with myself about where is my trust level with God. And instead of keeping myself buried in fear, and I know people that are consumed by fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, you wouldn't think so. They can smile like anybody else. But my, you just bring up anything and you'll hear fear in their voice. Mm-hmm. And they never face that honestly. And you can't deal with it if you don't face it honestly. Okay. Now there's things that are just, okay. Okay. Am I afraid to jump out of an airplane with a parachute? No, I just have more sense than that. (laughs) Well, I'm guilty of that one. I'm guilty of that one. (laughs) You've done that? That'll preach. Yeah. See, it's like this. Why would I jump out of a good airplane? Mm -hmm. Now, if the thing's going down and I've got a parachute, yeah, I've got to jump. But that's a whole different matter. Mm -hmm. But, But that's not the kind of fear I'm talking about. I'm talking about people that are afraid to... Uh, you know, afraid to drive. There's people that are afraid to drive on the freeway. Mm-hmm. They'll take all the back roads, you know, because they're afraid of that traffic. Things like that. If I don't face those fears, then I'll never deal with it. Mm-hmm. But now, how am I going to? How am I going to deal with them? Where's my trust level? I would keep. I keep that tension all the time, in in dealing with trying to help people deal with things in their lives. And if I can bring you from fear to trust, then I've done a little bit of good. I've helped you a little bit. You always have to pick it up, do it on your own at some point. But 
but it's bringing people to the level of trust in God where he really is a part of their life every day, no matter what's going on. Yeah. That's, that's the biggie. And that's what God wants from us. And that's why I brought up that little thing about out of, out of Malachi. Mm -hmm. uh, to me, it's like hearing God say, try me. Mm -hmm. Just give me a chance. Give me an opportunity. I made these promises. They're in writing. Now, give me an opportunity to show you that I'll do exactly what I said I'd do. And to, that's what I get out of Psalm 91. And mm -hmm. I'm at a point in my life where I'm, I'm at the last verse, you know, with long life, I'll satisfy you. How long are you going to mm -hmm. live? Until I'm satisfied with life. Yeah. Well, how do you know what that is? When I've completed everything God is giving me to do. When I've finished it all. And so I try to keep adding to the list. Yeah. <laughs> I'm joking, but he's added. Well, that's another book. That's another book, right? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Amazing. Yeah. I really appreciate your time here today. And I really want to have you back on the podcast because it's so easy to talk to. You have so much to offer. And off Thank the call, you. I'm going Love to ask it. you a little bit about the the school of ministry, because I think that's incredible of the direction sure. that you're taking that. So thank you again Love so much for joining us. If I can have you end our time with a prayer, I would really appreciate it. Absolutely. Father, thank you for these moments that we've spent together. Thank you for the door that you've opened mm -hmm. for me to speak into the lives of a lot more people through this wonderful podcast, this wonderful young man. I thank you, Father, that very soon, They'll see the door open and they'll be able to come to the United States. That's their desire. And I mention that, Lord, because I know there are other people that are listening to us. They have desires, too. Mm -hmm. And I'm asking you, Father, open the doors for them. Show them where they have the favor they need. And take away that fear by the light of the favor that you shine in their lives and help them to see that they have great favor with you, great favor with people they don't even know. And those are important things in their lives that will lead them to the life, to the path that you have laid out for them. For these things, we're grateful, we're thankful, and we pray them in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You've just listened to the Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast. With your host, Pastor Chris Busher, Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast was recorded live in studio with final editing made before uploading. Subscribe today to Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast on iTunes or Google Play. For more fantastic daily content, visit Pastor Chris Busher online via Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Don't miss the next episode on Faith and Family Fellowship Podcast.